0: Steve and a pleasure to be here and thanks very much for inviting me. It's great to um, catch up with Steve and some other good friends here, so it's um, a pleasure very much to be here. So what I'm going to try to do is to cover these three uh, main topics. I'm going to explain what I mean by parenting programmes um, and I'm really, a lot of this is going to be the research projects which we've been doing, um, uh, which involved Steve as well in fact. Um, and then I'm going to look at some of the um, conclusions and implications. What I'm trying to, can, to try and do is to try and relate the research to policy, educational policy, and um, to some extent with practice, but particularly with policy. Um, so that's that's the plan. We'll see how we get on. Okay. So parenting programs is part of. Um, uh, A number of initiatives which are engaging parents with the education system. Um, There's something which I would call parents involvement, you know, trying to get parents involved with their children's education, um, uh, with the schools and uh, in order to promote the child's education in a general way, something for every parent. There's parents as agents in the system, so parents who become governors, for example, of the, sc- of the school that their child goes to, or parents who become representatives on other bodies. There's a different sort of involvement of parents, which is where the parent, if you like, becomes the client. Instead of the parent being the person who is engaging with something and particularly for their child, here the, p- the idea is to support the parent, but primarily in order to help the child's development. So the parents is the client, if you like, of whatever is going around. So again it's about trying to promote the child's development in particular most of these programmes have tended to be about the child's behaviour but there is a lot, as you know, of parent support which is about working with their children, particularly on literacy. So these are parent-focused interventions, these are not working with children, these are working with the parents. So the The direct impact of whatever is um, being done is on the parent, but the child is then the ultimate focus. So the parent is the agent of working through to help the child's development. But in so doing, of course, because the parent is the immediate focus, then the idea is that the parents will benefit as well. now, quite a lot of the work in this area is what I'll call parenting skills. It's very interesting to see how some colleagues, and maybe people here, who would want to be very critical of this whole endeavour and see it as questionable, certainly as a public policy, and it'd be interesting if there are colleagues who wish to sort of raise those sorts of issues. But from our point of view, looking at the fact that these things exist and um, so our question really is well are they helpful do they do what they're supposed to be doing you can have different models is it a deficit model i.e these are parents who are in some way deficient they're not good parents and we want to make them better parents ideally good parents or very good parents like we are those of us who are parents um, rather than the people that they you know we start with that's a sort of deficit model There's another one, which is a resilience model. Anyone who has had children will know that you need a fair amount of resilience and therefore to try to improve everybody's resilience or some parents who have a greater need to improve their own resilience. There's also different ways of doing this, there's formal and informal support, there's various training programmes, and it's quite a messy field. So, for example, in this country at the moment, there's probably about 150 to 200 different parenting programmes that are being delivered. It's an amazing number. Almost none of them have ever been evaluated in any formal way. What I'm going to talk about are ones which have been, um, but it's, this is the context. Lots of people get together think of what would be a good program and and this is not to say they're not good programs, just that we don't know other than what that people feel that they're doing a good job. So there are, as I mentioned, some very rigorously uh, 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 researched parenting programs. They're relatively small in number and they have very rigorously um, uh, organized training for the people who, are, who become the facilitators, which is the most common term used, I think, for the people who run the, the classes, um, for the parents. Um, and there's probably in this country, perhaps up to 10. That might, even that might be pushing it a little bit. So, big context, lots and lots of parenting programmes, local village hall, you know, all sorts of places, and then there's these rigorously um, developed programmes typically from the states, or one of the biggest, which I'll come on to, uh, Triple P, which is developed in Australia. Okay, so what's the policy background? Well, in the days when, remember when we had a Labour government? That's, uh, um, I think it was called New Labour then. Um, the uh, A lot of interest in, um, in the, there was a, a, a sort of soundbite um, uh, what was it, um, hard on crime and hard on the causes of crime or something. The idea being, you know, yes, we as Labour, we're not going to let people get away with being, uh, being difficult and awkward and, and uh, delinquent and so on, but we want to support people as well. And I think it's worth pointing that up because, again, as I, when I see some of the comments on the, parent, the critiques of parenting programmes, I wonder if people have read that, that origin within the Labour Party's um, government. So three underlying underpinning principles for this um, uh, policy document. So this is um, the rights and responsibilities supporting parents to meet their responsibilities. Remember, there's a history of a critique which is the nanny state that the state should not get involved with parenting. Parenting is for parents, education is for the state, to some extent, perhaps in partnership, but the state should not get involved with parents, particularly a more conservative, historically, uh, position. So this is putting it clearly from their point of view at the time, the Labour government. So so helping the parents meet their responsibilities, not the state's responsibilities. Um, The notion, notion of progressive universalism, in other words, should be available to all, but those who need more support should get more support and also there should be a prevention um, uh, intention, an aim, working to prevent, prevent poor outcomes for children, young people and their parents from developing in the first place. So it's quite a nice, I think, encapsulation <coughs> of the policy that the Labour government had at that time. And what that amounts in terms of parenting programmes is what I'll call targeted support. In other words, because of this Progressive universalism. It's not meant to be for everybody. It doesn't say every, pers- every parent must have a parenting programme. It recognises that there are all sorts of ways that we as parents learn how to bring up our children. We talk to our, pa- our own parents, our friends, our rel- relatives, we read books, we see programmes. But one place, it is argued, uh, could be specific programmes. And it's targeted in, that, in the government's um, uh, policy on those who need it most. And, I, and I'll talk about one of the programmes that they, they did. Then, of course, um, the coalition government came in uh, in 2010 and uh, intriguingly chopped the whole thing. And I'll, show you what, I'll tell you why that's interesting, because when I present the results of what we found with the Labour government's policy. But they stopped it, stopped all the money that was going, changed the focus, Interestingly though, instead of going into what might have been seen the traditional conservative position of we don't get involved with this, this is parent stuff, not the state's, they did the exact opposite and said, parenting is challenging for every parent. All of us as parents need some support. As I say, can get it from different ways, but we all need it. Therefore, all parents will benefit from some support So they actually went the other way and developed a universal parenting support. The idea that everybody should have something. You know, not forcing people to get it, but that it should be available. So that's, in in political terms, quite an intriguing position that came in in 2010. And I'm going to show you in a minute the the evidence that came out of both of these um, government positions with the programmes which they funded. Okay, so as I said targeted programs typically for parents who have some difficulties with their um, children, um, particularly their their conduct, Um, some have got um, uh, substantial evidence base if in the ones I'm going to talk about and in terms of theoretical background the ones that are well researched have a very substantial very carefully developed theoretical background essentially drawn from social learning theory. Not punitive, developmental, supportive, and um, uh, not only about skills. Relationships are fundamental to those, those parenting programs as well. And again, I think there's sometimes a, a misunderstanding about what the programs are trying to do. They, are, they do have skill training, but it's not only skill training. Okay, so if we're looking at universal, um, different conceptualization, uh, making programs available to all parents. But in the literature, what's a little bit confusing, you'll see people referring to um, a program or in a, in a study about this being a universal program. But it's obviously aimed only at a subset of the population. What Typically those, again, who have some conduct, children who, parents of children who have conduct problems. But... The one that, that was the, the, Conservative, the coalition government developed in this country was not. It was intended to be for everybody, um, as I mentioned. So it was not intended to be problem-oriented. The targeted tends to be problem-oriented, parents who've got some problems. This was meant to be for parents, all of us but are parents. So there's a question of take-up. If you have a targeted programme... Um, you know, you're not looking to, obviously by definition, to have a take-up from everybody. But a universal programme, there's a question of, well, what, do you, what would you expect a take-up to be? If we take one of the major successes in public health, immunisation, what is hoped is that immunisation will be taken up by every parent. Not only for the sake of their own child, but also of what's called the herd um, approach, but your child, if all the children, uh, or if a if, if large number of the children have been immunised and do not have this particular disease, it's a protection for all the other children as well. So it's a kind of common good in this. And as we know, particularly in the area of autism, there was concerns about whether the immunisation, quite wrongly, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite obvious to some, some of us um, uh, for a long, many years, but a lot of parents stopped having immunisation um, for um, the triple R, uh, triple, just triple, triple M, uh, Yeah, so um, the, the, uh, the, the triple um, vaccine, um, and therefore put more children at risk of getting things like rubella. Anyway, that's an aside, so I won't go into that anymore. Um, but it does raise the question, if it's universal, what do we mean? Do we mean take-up or do we mean access? Do we want 100%? Um, or do we want to make it available to 100% but only expect 50, 20, 80, whatever, to actually tick it up? Because there's all sorts of other things in this case that they could be doing, for example, like reading books, watching TV programmes and so on, do it help them develop their parenting skills. So, some research um, examples. So, in terms of targeted, I'm going to refer to what we'll call the PEEP, the Parenting Early Intervention Programme. This one had a Pathfinder with 18 local authorities and then a national rollout. Then the other one, which followed, that the coalition brought in, was the Can Parent trial, and this was a DFE funded, They're both they're all DFE funded um, for two years, but in fact there was an additional year funded by the Department of Health. Which we've um, uh, reported on, and it's, that report has not come out of the Department of Health yet. That's still with them, so um, that's another story. But um, okay, so I'm going to talk about the PEEP. So this is targeted. This is how it started. The government had a large amount of money, millions of pounds, and it started by um, actually it started by um, commissioning a review of parenting programs. Um, And one of the things I want you to, as a sort of an aside here, is to think about this as a policy initiative as as I go through. So the first thing, let's look at the evidence. We'll commission some academics, not us, some other academics, to look at the evidence of parenting programmes. They've been advised that these are a good thing. Let's see if that's the case. Let's do it thoroughly. They did it. The report said, yes, there's a lot of stuff which has never been evaluated, but there are some where there's very good evidence that they would be helpful and useful to parents. So the, um, the government supported three programmes. Uh, they, got, they actually got 21 LA's to begin with, including, and they're trying to do a very nice design with three non-intervention authorities. Of course, one of the problems in real life is if you're a local authority with all the pressures on you and all the, um, well, the authorities with the pressures um, and someone comes along and says, can we have you as a, as a control? We're not going to give you anything. You're not going to get all and any of this money that you've heard about these other people getting, but we'd love to have you as a control and collect some data. You can imagine what happened. So we had 18 local authorities, and um, we had uh, evidence on over 2,000 parents, I'm, going to, I'm not going to go into any more details of this because the, the, the evidence essentially was very positive and I'll show you the evidence from the next bed. but what's interesting here is the, the government commissioned a review of evidence, they implemented if you like a pilot, a pathfinder and our evidence showed that there were lots of positive results. Um, I should say also that these, all these studies that I'm going to refer to are combined method studies. I'm going to focus on objective data, results from you know, measures, but we did a, a vast number of interviews in and other sort of qualitative um, uh, aspects of research in this as well. So, this research evidence from our um, evaluation of the Pathfinder was very positive. So what did the government do? They said, oh, okay, right. we'll now roll it out across the whole of the country. Every local authority will get money to implement these programmes. However, we said, you can't justify only doing it for these programmes, because there are other programmes that have good evidence, in our view, and therefore the government said, okay, fair enough, and they they set up a system of of, uh, accrediting some others. So in fact, in the in the, the next stage which i'll call the parent, the peep still but it was a parenting early intervention program rather than pathfinder there were five major programs but there were actually three others that were also we had some uh, much less uh, data on in fact most of our data in the in the national rollout was on four of the programs for a sort of a slightly odd reason um, but I, w- I won't go into that unless people ask me later Okay, so what we're looking at is the impact on the parents of this. I mean, it's a group training, so parents go into troops, meant to be about 10 parents at a time. Some were smaller, some going up about 12, 13, but that kind of number. And we also um, uh, looked at the basically the the sort of basic design of a pre post, given parents' measures at the beginning of the program, after the class is finished, and then we followed them up a year later to see what the position was there. Interestingly, the, the DfE wasn't at all interested in the relative effects of the different programmes. And we said to them, look, well, you know, we'll do some analyses, we can look at how the different programmes fare. And they said, well, we don't really want that. I said, well, you know, surely that's an obvious thing. In public policy, if you've got one programme which is great and one programme which is rubbish, that's an important issue, isn't it? Anyway, we did it anyway, so, um, so you're going to get those. Um, I'll mention some of that. We also had some cost effectiveness. Um, uh, we, we included that as well. Okay, so these, note that the age, the the DfE decided that there were programmes that were being implemented for younger children, there were also interventions for adolescents, and they identified this as a kind of a gap in the market. There were, this 8 to 13 period of childhood, early adolescence, wasn't getting supported. That in itself is quite an interesting decision. So that was a target age. the five programs were the three that were in the original pathfinder incredible years just if can i just check if anyone knows any of these if you know as i mentioned if you put your hand up if you if you know something about them so the incredible years anyone come across that okay triple p yeah and strengthening families strengthening communities yeah not so many all right and then in the so those were the first in the pathfinder Then the dfe added these two Fast? Anyone come across fast? No? no, much, many fewer. And the strengthening families program, ten to fourteen. No, nobody. No, one. Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, okay. So, um, so those were the five. In fact, the one that we didn't get much, many, uh, the data was fairly limited, was fast. Unfortunately, they, FAST was very committed to collecting data. They were new to this country and they were trying to get their own data, which interfered with us getting our data. So we actually ended up with, um, with less information than we would have liked. But they are in, in the analyses. So there's uh, some of the questions I'm going to ask. So we've got the reports we've written are very extensive. There's a whole lot of analyses. I'm just going to focus on a few questions. So, these are targeted programs. They're aimed at parents who either have a child who has, is presenting the parents with behaviour problems, conduct problems, or the child is at risk. And at risk is a kind of shorthand in general for being socially disadvantaged. In other words, there's an expectation that the skew of the parents who go is towards a more socially disadvantaged um, population because that's where more behaviour uh, problems tend to occur. doesn't mean that all the middle classes don't have any problems, as some people in here um, know that their children have, um, you know, can present some interesting challenges. Um, but that's the skew. So, first of all, um, there was a skew to the socially, economically less, socio-economically less, less advantage, but there was a full range. In, within the PEEP uh, sample, where there was a full range. Um, High proportions of single parents, you can see about twice as many as uh, the census would predict. Living in, and you'll see these kind of social disadvantage indicators living in rented pro- property, high proportion having no qualifications, but 11% had degrees. So it shows you the range as well as the skew. High levels of support needs um, and low levels of mental well being. So at the beginning, before they started their classes, three-quarters scored below the national median, the average. Right? So it's a skew towards social disadvantage and lower levels of mental well-being. Those are the ones the parents who came on the classes. So this is an example of mental well-being. I haven't got a, um, uh, a pointer here. But if you can see the 50 going across here, that's the median. That's where you'd expect the, the, the national average. This is where they were, and interestingly, and this is almost suspicious, the data we got from the Pathfinder was almost identical, as you can see there, with the data we got from the next round. So these were the 18 local authorities in the Pathfinder. Those are from 43 local authorities in the subsequent Parenting and Early Intervention Programme. But you can see much lower levels, almost identical, in both those samples okay so did we get the right children the mean age was 8.6 which was in the target range but it was um, there was quite a range of younger and older children young people Um, 62 percent boys but that means a fair number were girls high level of free school meals about three times the uh, national average four times as many had statements of sen as you would expect normally etc So it, again, our view, yes, it did get the parents of the the right children, if you like, for what it was trying to do. And this shows you the um, the SDQ. The SDQ is the strengths and difficulties questionnaire. It's used by practically everybody for almost everything these days. And if Robert Goodman had actually um, started charging money, he would be one of the richest people in, in the profession at the moment. But he's not, I don't think perhaps he is, but. uh, um, Now, roughly 10%, according to the national norms on these different scales, there's the total difficulties, that's adding up these four. So the main issues for us are the conduct problems and the total difficulties. So instead of 12%, 13%, at the beginning, 61% were scoring in the abnormal range. Um, bizarre way that somebody would have uh, called uh, a point on a scale, but there you go, that's what it was called. Um, so very high levels of problems, and the total difficulty is similarly about, about 57%. Impact score, adverse impact for parents reporting, again, very high proportion compared with the national. Highly significant, um, as you can see there. Okay, so after the programs, the classes varied. Different programs are different numbers of sessions, but they range from about 10 to about 17 progr- uh, weeks. Uh, Triple P has about six weeks, and then there are telephone sort of uh, interviews, but there's still an engagement. Incredible years is the longest. So I'm going to use something called the effect size. Um, and for those of you that this may be unfamiliar, this is a statistic called uh, D, the letter D, Cohen's D, and the uh, the guideline. And this isn't an absolute. All right, so it's like um, uh, probabilities, or p-values. There's no sort of almighty law that says these numbers are, you know, mean something uh, absolute. But roughly um, the the kind of convention is if if the effect size is 0.2 it's described as small, if it's 0.5 up here it would be medium and if it gets to 0.8 on this statistic it's described as a large effect. so it's, in, it's kind of very intuitive, you know, if you get up to the large, if you get up to the point a, you're getting a large effect on what you're doing with this, in this case, with the PEEP, with the these different programmes. This is all the data from all the different programmes all put together. OK, so parental, parent mental well-being is the first one, large effect. This is a measure called parenting laxness, in other words, letting your child get away with it. You know, the ones are in the supermarket and demand their sweets, and the parent says, "No, no, no!" Oh, all right, okay. So that's laxness. Not quite up to about 0.7. Parent overreactivity—that's basically um, uh, um, losing it, losing your rag. You know, sort of um, trying to get the child calmed down and then start shouting and screaming at them. Nothing. something that nobody in this room has ever done to any of their children. Um, Again, a large effect. That's the parents' measures. The children's measures, remember the children are not being worked with, this is the parents, but the the effects, intention of the effects, is that the children will benefit. You'll see that these are small to medium, around the 0.45 to 0.5. So there's effects here on the children, the conduct the total difficulties and the impact. So these are the data from the second study, which had about 6,000 parents in the total study. Over 3,000 parents we had pre-post data. Um, Also, when we followed those up a year later, the effects were almost as good. The, where there was a bit of a drop-off, but there were still highly significant differences between the pre-data and the one-year follow-up. So i f- stupidly forgot to put that graph in, but basically it shows you, you know, that it's sort of um, if you think of, a, of an improvement score, pre, post, big improvement, and one-year follow-up, it goes like that. It's a bit lower, but way more, greater improvement compared with the pre score. So very successful on the measures that we used. So what do we conclude? Take up very good. Lots of people did it. However, tremendous variation between local authorities from some that had over 700 parents to others that had less than about 30 or 40 at least ones that we got data from. Were they popular? So one of the concerns is that the critiques of this approach is that parents will feel stigmatized or dragooned into having their parenting program. You know, they're being forced into it because they are bad parents. This was very rarely the case. Most of the, almost all these parents were invited or told and suggested. You know, it was that kind of referral in. And when we asked them what they thought about the course, we had a 10 item measure. Over 90, on on all the measure, on all the items, over 90% um, were, very, were positive. So, from our research, these are not um, programs which parents resent. They actually enjoy, and the interviews, extensive interviews, um, gave their reasons for this. You know. They enjoyed doing it, they found the, you know, the camaraderie, the sharing the problems, all these sorts of things were, were very important. Were they effective? Um, We've shown, now, these programs, not all of them, but most of them had uh, randomized control trials before they came into PEEP, which showed effects in this very, um, uh, what's often called the gold standard design of the randomized control trials. Ours isn't an RCT, but the evidence was already there. What we found is that, okay, these programs can work, the RCTs show they can work, our question was, will they work if they're rolled out across the whole country? So not the most, you know, kind of, um, the, the people who've developed these programmes, who are absolutely committed, get all their best students in and their best workers, and they focus on 100, 200 parents. These are, parent, these are facilitators employed by the local authority, by schools, um, in, uh, some in the health service, so I don't think we have many of those. All sorts of different roles, give them some training, and hundreds of them then if you like let loose to facilitate these groups and still high levels of and I'm calling this effectiveness rather than efficacy. So there was some variation but basically an overall success. Um, So the model was government support to local authorities they then got on with it, they organised it and, as I say, in, in another part of the research we were looking at the way they organised it, what was successful, what led to, to good um, implementation or not. I'm not going to go into that, that may come out in the questions. So as I said, the, the government came in, you, um, coalition government, and said, great, scrap it. All that money will stop. We're going to do something else. And David Cameron was at the forefront. David Cameron, as the Prime Minister, was very committed to this, uh, which sent people in the DfE round in a bit of a tizz at times, um, and he launched it. It, was, you know, it had to fit in with his, with his timetable to be launched. So that shows you the, the level of political commitment, but also the fact that a Conservative Prime Minister was actually leading on parenting programmes organised ultimately by the state. Okay, so um, why did they change it? Well, this was some of the reasons. Concerns that the targeted programmes, which Pete was, were problem-oriented, which is indeed what they were, and a strong belief that those were stigmatising. Now, at the time when when we were discussing and and were appointed to carry out this research, I said, we don't find any evidence for stigmatisation. There can be if you do it badly, but normally what we find is that if the programs are being run properly, they talk to parents and they explain why the parents might go. No parents being forced to go in this, therefore um, that we don't find stigma. And so that was something we wanted to find out in this study, had we got, a, you know, had we got it wrong somewhere. Um, Concerned that the 8 to 13 was too uh, old which is a fair point, so they came up with something else. Now I'll let you have a look at this, I'll read it through, because it's, again, fairly a fairly brief statement, but it actually addresses two very important issues. So to evaluate, this is the aim of the trial. So the government supported a trial and we were evaluating, we were doing the research about the success of the trial. Three parts of the country, Different sorts of parts of the country to get some variation. Middlesbrough in the northeast, the high peak in Derbyshire, large, large rural area but with small towns. And Camden, multicultural, multi-ethnic parts of North London. But notice what it was about. It wasn't a trial. The, the primary aim was not to see whether these programs worked. The primary aim of this trial was to see whether the trial would provide sufficient incentive to providers, i.e. not the state, to start offering additional universal classes nationally. They wanted to create a market. So you can see where that comes into conservative thinking. And that the, also this point that a universal approach would normalise and destigmatise parenting classes. So they wanted to increase the supply side. In other words, they got some providers in of the programmes. They wanted to get more providers in if the trial worked, that more people would want to become providers and, and, you know, as you do with markets, you want to stimulate the market. And the demand side, they wanted to get parents interested and they got lots of parents. So the trial was for um, mothers and fathers, not to 5 year olds in these three areas. They were eligible, every parent, i.e. the two parents, uh, biological or carers, whatever the relationship, as parents, I'll use that generic term, they got what was nominally a £100 voucher they could get from Boots, big pile of them on the counter, or from eventually a website or early year settings, lots of places you could get these vouchers. 14 providers were um, accredited, and the accreditation system was done by the DfE with support of other people, to judge what were the, uh, whether these programmes met the kinds of research evidence that we know about effective programmes, but there was no requirement, and in fact, these programmes did not have RCT evidence, or any you know, very substantial evidence. The 14 reduced to 12, and the date, final data was essentially on the 12. So, the, some of the questions. We had a very, so we, we were looking at the parenting, um, the parents who were undertaking these classes, these were called classes rather than uh, groups, which he, uh, PEEP tended to use as a term. So we had um, large-scale surveys going on with our partners TNS BMRB of about 1,500 parents in non, uh, sorry, in the programme areas, uh, those three pro- uh, areas that you saw. And before, as the trial was starting, we asked the people, the parents, um, these are random selection of parents, um, whether they would, what what they thought about parenting classes. And one of the questions was about participation. As you can see, one in three thought they might participate. And one in ten, only one in ten, thought they were likely to participate. So this is before the trial got going. Now, the, the DFE's working assumption or the planning assumption was based on a notion of about 40% of parents taking up these. Now you can see here that the the evidence that we found was only 1 in 10 or 10% were likely to participate amongst the population of parents. So is this any kind of indication of universal take up? Only 1 in 10 at this point. And of course, there may be a positive spin on that anyway. If you're being asked and you think, this must be a good thing, I better say yes. There might be a positive skew. So we also asked about parents, to in a sense, to get at this notion of stigma. And we asked about their attitudes to parenting classes. And we found on a whole range of questions, and I've got a slide which is difficult to see unless you're sitting at the front, so I'll I'll read some of these out, Um, but this is a summary of a couple of the points. Only 9% of the parents in both the trial and the comparison areas, so the three areas and then we had these 15 other areas with the 1,500 parents in who had no access to these camp parent classes, only 9% agreed with the statement that parents who go on a parenting class are admitting that they are not doing a very good job at parenting. Okay, So it's a minority view that says that, if you like, has that stigma. Whereas about two-thirds of parents in each group, at each time point, we did this a year at the beginning and then a year after, when, the, when the, in terms of the camp parent areas this was well underway. Uh, Two thirds agreed with the statement: All parents can benefit from going on to a parenting class, parenting course. So it, again, there's some challenge to this notion that there's a heavy stigma issue here. That's not what we're finding. In the, and these are not parents who are going to the classes. These are just members of the community. Now, this this is just a list of things which go from very high. So you've got, as you've seen, some positive and some negatively orientated statements. So this one uh, in terms of the classes, they would teach me useful new parenting skills and tips and 64% agreed with that, so it's a positive statement. It will be a good chance to talk about things with other parents going to these classes, 62% said that. Build my confidence as a parent, 52%. You can see these quite high proportions of parents who are giving positive comments from the community about classes. If you come down here. be too expensive for me, only 10% thought that, make other people think that I'm not a good parent, if you like a pretty strong stigma kind of statement, only 10% of the parents thought that. And there's some more data there that you can uh, see, and all this obviously is available. OK, so what about retru- recruitment and retention? Because it's not only a question of who you recruit, it's whether you hold on to them do they keep going to the classes because it's not a one off these are classes that could go for between 3 and 10 sessions or so so about 3000 parents enrolled which was 6% roughly of the 50000 eligible parents 15% of the planning assumption estimate of the DfE so a much lower level of recruitment than the DfE was planning for, and when I say planning. The point was that they had to persuade the treasury, because these were vouchers, and you don't know who's going to take them up. So you have to get the treasury to have say, well, here's a pot of money, so that when these vouchers get cashed by the providers, there's enough money in the pot to pay the providers. So they had to estimate what they thought was going to be the take-up, but you can see it was much lower than in, in practice than they had anticipated. Um, the demographics reflected the population in the areas. In other words, it wasn't skewed. It was actually universal. It went across the whole of the population roughly equally at the different sort of bits of the uh, advantage to disadvantage range, which is what was expect- what the aim was. And a very high proportion completed their classes. What were the outcomes? So a large majority of the parents were Positive. As with the PEEP, 90% or more were saying yes, made positive statements about being in the classes, would recommend them to other parents. Again, over 90%. And on the measures, they felt more satisfied and saw themselves as more effective as parents. Um, But when you just looked at the pre and the post within the parents who went on the classes, there was not a significant Um, reduction in parenting stress we had a measure called the parenting daily hassles scale uh, American you probably realize um, and it wasn't significant as a pre post um, uh, within the group itself that had gone they had higher levels of mental well-being at the um, at the end than they had at the beginning that had improved and they also reported that their course had made positive differences at home now, we also compared the, in a more sort of, you know, rigorous design, if you like, the people who had gone on the classes with the people from this population of non-involved parents in the community to look at the the measures worked. And here we did actually find that there were relatively higher levels of um, Uh, on these measures, and for parenting stress. And what was interesting here, what um, I was trying to think whether I've ever seen this reported quite like this, and when you see the results of RCTs, what had happened here was that the parents, if you remember, there wasn't a a significant improvement within the Can Parent group. What had happened was that the parents who were not going to the classes got higher levels of stress. So the difference between the can-parent cl- people who'd gone on classes had, had increased, the difference, so there was a significant difference, not so much because the parents in the classes had got a lot better, in or, you know, their stress had reduced a lot, but because stress in the rest of the community was increasing. In other words, the kind of, um, the secular trend, as the kids were getting a bit older, was that parents were getting more stressed. But the classes would seem to be doing something to kind of limit that. Now that's an interesting finding, which I've never seen reported before. So that would be one to, to kind of um, you know, consider and to have more data on. This is just gives you more data. The red ones are the, are the effect sizes. Um, as you can see, they are lower levels than the ones before we were getting up to 0.8, 7.8, here we got down to the 0.3, 0.4, 0.3-ish, 0.3, nearly 0.4, 0.4. So lower levels, this was a, a scale which in, in fact didn't have any significant increase which was a slightly odd scale called uh, interest in being a parent, so that one we can in a way can just forget about I think. We also asked these parents whether they would um, – uh, remember, these were all free, parents got a voucher, they gave it to the provider who, who could cash it in, the parents never saw any money. So we asked them uh, 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 an economic analysis called willingness to pay, and it's a, a kind of uh, a method that tried to work out just how much would you be prepared to pay. Um, half wouldn't be – these are the parents who had gone on this, who did have a parenting class. So half said, no, nothing. I'm not prepared to pay anything. And when we interviewed parents separately from this exercise, the, re- the reasons were the state should provide this. You know, References to that kind of um, uh, response. But in terms of the data, half wouldn't be prepared to pay anything. Now, that's not a good sign for a market development. All right. A quarter were willing to pay a positive amount, i.e. a bit, And a quarter might be willing to pay towards the classes, a more substantial amount. Won't surprise you that higher income parents were more willing to pay than lower income parents. But not a great deal of um, support for the development of a market which would mean someone paying somewhere. Here the state was paying, i.e. through a voucher. So, to conclude. Um, now remember, the ages groups are different, the people, the parents have got children who are a bit older, the can parents basically preschool children from 0 to 5. So, the targeted and universal parenting classes um, uh, can be effective. The effect sizes, i.e. the impact, the effects that these parent classes had were lower for the universal programmes two possibilities there. One is that simply these programs are not so good. In fact, it's more than two. One is that they were less, they weren't so long generally. Um, The other is that we um, so when I say they're not so good, we just don't know what the evidence is from um, uh, rigorous trials. However, the, the other pragmatic explanation is if we're looking at the whole of the population we shouldn't expect a big improvement because most parents things are going okay. You know, a bit of parenting stress, well we all have that, but they're not hugely problematic. So there's a question, should, what level of um, change should you expect from a universal group of parents as opposed to the ones who are having the most problems to start with? Recruiting parents is clearly a, a challenge. Remember, only 10% in the universal, in the camp parents, said that they were very likely to attend the class. And in fact, only six percent had attended over the uh, over the two years. Um, stigma, not in our results for both studies, had not been a, uh, a major issue. So, just finally, some future directions. Um, where does this take us? What's the what's the position in terms of state involvement? Peep highly successful. Is that likely to happen? you know are, is, this, is this government going to give more money to local authorities um, not very not very likely most across the country these pa- very successful parenting um, class uh, organizations within local authorities they just huge redundancies all these people who'd worked really hard to get very good results you know the, the things was closed down but the vouchers didn't stimulate the market in our study. So there's an issue there. Maybe that there were other ways of stimulating it or perhaps it needed more time. Um, I got some fascinating results from the third year, which the Department of Health funded, which I'm afraid I can't share with you. Um, so you'll have to wait for those. Um, but that will give you a very interesting take, uh, an even more interesting take on the use of vouchers. Um, So, sorry I can't uh, say more, but if you go into the sector, all these parenting programme people, you know, who are involved with these universal classes, the ones that don't have the evidence, there's a lot of support, very high commitment, and a lot of it is voluntary, so they may not be necessary, apart from covering costs or getting a bit of money from some charities, it may be that you can get some support there, but is that what we want? Are they as effective as we would hope? Because we don't know really. And what evidence would be appropriate? I've mentioned randomised control trials several times. Randomised control trials are very expensive. If we've got 200 programmes, we're not going to get 200 lots of RCTs. The government hasn't even supported many of these. There are um, trials of of, um, incredible years in this country several very good trials, which show, again, it's very effective as a targeted programme. Triple P, I don't think, has had any trial in this country. It's got dozens and dozens across the world, but not in this country. So, it's probably not very practical to expect we're going to have randomised control trials. Some of you may know, perhaps all of you will know, of an organisation called the Early Intervention uh, Foundation, Which has developed a hierarchy of evidence. It moved from its early days when it was kind of trying to get and see, you know, let's what can we see which is effective by RCTs, to recognition now that actually you're not going to get much of that. What you've got to do is have a pathway. You've got to get um, programs, in this case, parenting programs, but this is for all kinds of early intervention um, initiatives for the EIF. You need to have evidence that's based on theory, that it makes sense, that it looks like this will work. You've got to try feasibility. Can you actually do it in the community? You've got to then get some pre-post designs and then possibly move on to an RCT. So, and there are parenting programmes. We're working with one called Parent Gym, which was in the uh, the CAN Parent trial, where they are funding us to do Um, a feasibility trial with them. It's not an RCT and they, you know, but it's helping them move along because they're committed. They believe their 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 programme works and we'll find out um, whether it looks like it was and then hopefully go to an RCT. So there's um, uh, some references, there's there's, there's many others, but there's two papers that Steve and I were involved in, in doing with Hilton Davis in the Pathfinder and the CAM Parent, where there isn't a paper yet, there's one that's um, about to be submitted, is um, uh, a final report, as you can see, in 2014, which turned out not to be the final report because we were then asked to do another year from the Department of Health. So, there you go. So, um, my sort of final comment. There's a lot of evidence for some parenting programmes, there's minimal evidence for others, There's not a lot of evidence for stigma, and there's not a lot of evidence at the moment for developing a market. Where do we go from there? Thank you.